All right. Let's bow our heads. Father, the time has come where we are going to dig into your word. Your word is full of power and full of truth. Your word is how faith enters us, by hearing it. So my prayer this morning in Jesus' name is that you would anoint me, your servant, to preach the word in a way that your lambs that you love so much can eat it, consume it, and, Father, receive the nutrition of it, that they might get the energy to live a life that pleases you. We must live by the word. We must live by truth because we're called to live by faith. And how can we live by faith if we don't know what to believe in or who to believe in? I pray that their ears would be open to receive everything your Holy Spirit will speak to the church today. And God, these are action seeds. What I'm speaking here today is life. So God, this is not just a sermon to say that I heard a sermon. This is a word, God, that must be performed because we are held accountable to the knowledge and truth that we know and have received. So I thank you that as these people listening online and listening in person receive this truth, God, that they will also walk it out. I pray for a strong anointing of truth and revelation to be in this place that will empower us and give us the strategies we need for triumph. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. such an honor to have all of you here today. I see some first-time visitors. Uh, Brooke's father is here from Nashville, Tennessee. If you want to wave your hand, that's Brooke's dad. Uh, we so welcome you this morning. And all of our other guests and visitors, God bless you. You're just as special, even if you just came from Crytersville or Walpock. It doesn't matter how far you travel. We're just glad that you're here this morning. Is it okay if we talk about Jesus? Are we in the right place? All right. I love talking about Jesus because he's just done so much for me, and uh, he's done a lot for you as well. We're still talking about learning to live in Christ. So you've really been getting an education on the fact that says that as Jesus was in this world, so are we. Say this with me. As Jesus was, so am I. Say it louder. I'll keep you long. As Jesus was... So am I. That was a little bit louder. All right. So, since we know that Jesus lived this earth and was full of miraculous power and love and the enemy was under his feet and nothing could stop him, that's the same way we live our lives. Amen. We are not victims. Don't walk around here like a victim. You are a victor through Jesus Christ. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Say this with me. I am a victor not a victim. You're not a victim, you're a victor. So we've been learning how to live in Christ, and we've been talking about faith. This is our third week of talking about the faith of Jesus Christ. We got a revelation of his faith, which we began to understand what it is. Last week, we understood why or how his faith was empowered, why his faith worked. His faith worked because it was the word, and the word never fails. Jesus was the Word made flesh. He was a walking, talking Bible, and the Word of God does not fail. And the last three words that Jesus said from the cross was, it is finished. He completed exactly what God sent him to do. So we put our faith in God's Word because his, his Word is full of power. If it was not for his Word, I would not be alive standing here today. Uh, Last week was my nine-year anniversary of my kidney transplant, and at the time I thought I was going to die, I received a visitation from the Lord, and he said, my grace is sufficient. I believed his word, and I'm still standing here today because his word does not fail. But his word must be initiated in your life by your faith and trust that it is true. So today's message is adding love to our faith. While it is important that you have faith, we must also have love. We must add love to our faith. You see, faith is the in 
engine of our lives in Christ, but love is the fuel. Let us first be filled with the love of God so that we may experience his power by faith. Let's go to John chapter 3, 16. And many of you don't even know have to go there. You know it by heart. It lives in the inside of your heart. And that's a very important thing to remember. Whatever scriptures live in your heart, that's what you're powered by. When they live in there, David said, your word have I hid in my heart so that I might not sin against you. So when there's Bible verses that live in your heart, they power your faith and you will not fail because those words have found their way inside of your life. So we're in John 3, 16, and that is one of the most important verses in the Bible. It reveals to us God's plan to save the world if we will believe on this Jesus Christ for their salvation. Still, there was something God wanted us to know before he told us the plan in John 3, 16. Before we are ever asked to believe or even recognize what he did or who he was to send, there was something he wanted us to know first in John 3, 16. We are first given the why. Can you say the why? Never forget this. The why powers the how when it comes to God. It is the why that will not allow his word to fail, so only believe. So what do I mean? So God said in Isaiah 55 and 11 that his word never returns to him void. It always completes that which he sent it to do. So that's the why I believe God, because his word never fails. How he does it is none of my business. When he does it is none of my business. I just know why. It works because his word never returns undone to him. I don't need to understand it all. I just need to believe that simple fact about God that God is not a man that he should lie. People lie every day, but God never lies. And he said, my word never returns back to me undone. It always accomplishes that which I sent it to do. So that's why I believe God. And, and, and my life, my life and your life is really just a collection of promises that you have believed. You have believed for uh, a thing, and God did that thing for you, and now it is evident to you and those around you. It has become visible. So, we praise God for the why, because the why is greater than the how, or even the when, or the what. So, the why of John 3.16 is found at the very beginning, and it is the foundation of our faith. Church, can you say the why? The why is greater than the how, okay? You always got to remember that when it comes to faith, it's more about the why than the how or the what or the when. So the beginning of John 3, 16, although it's such a beautiful plan that God have to save us, he doesn't even tell us the plan until he tells us first the why. So the beginning of John 3, 16 says this, for God so loved the world. You see how the why is first? Even before the how or the who, he tells us why. So our faith must be fueled by his love for us. The reason we believe God is because we know that he loves us. So John 3, 16 tells us before what he did, why he did it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I think the why is important. The why is what keeps you out of depression. The why is what enables you to lay hands on the sick and they recover. The why is why, even though you might not have the money to pay a particular bill right now, 
now, or you might not have a freezer full of meat or cabinets full of food. The why will supply everything else that's necessary because the why is that God loves me. No matter what situation you're in right now, it must be powered, your faith must be powered by the why. And the why is God loves me. So even as I prayed for my aunt and she went on to heaven, that's okay. Why? Because God still loved her. It doesn't matter how God does a thing as long as we keep the why first. You keep the fact that God loves you in the front so you don't get messed up in the middle or the end when God doesn't answer your prayer the way you think he should. Just remember that he loves you and all things work together for good for those who love him. So our love must be primary. We're talking about the love of God this morning and how we must add that love to our faith. Our faith must be powered by our knowledge of God's love for us. Let's look at another example. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says this, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, yes, it's good that we believe in God, okay, because even the demons believe in God and they tremble. But we must go on to know some things about God, that we must know who he is, and the Bible says that God is love. Can you say that with me? Preach with me this morning. God is love. One more time. God is love, okay? So, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. So, if God is love, the rest of Hebrews eleven six 6 should explain something about the nature of God. And listen to what it says. And that love, or he, is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, if you don't love God, and yet you try to apply this thing called faith, it's not going to work out too well for you. Because he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. So that's why it's so important, praise God, that you add love to your faith. Because if you just have faith, it can become contaminated. If you just have faith, you could try to use it and it will be used for lust more than love. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. So, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. So, what is in the seeking? How do we seek God? What does that mean? What does that involve? To seek God means that we have a desire to please him. And that's first and foremost. So before all of your needs, before faith achieves anything for you, you must first recognize that your faith in God must be to please him. That you must have a love for him. What is his greatest desire for us? God's greatest desire for us is not to have religion, but a relationship. And that is found in the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment in the entire Bible was not thou shalt tithe or thou shalt go to church or thou shalt be nice to people. All right. The greatest commandment in the Bible is found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 37. We're talking this morning about adding love to our faith. I pray that you don't miss this. I pray that you're not here just to hear a sermon. If you allow these words to sink into your life this morning, it will forever be changed, and you will have a kingdom agenda on the inside of you that cannot be stopped by any kind of circumstances or any demons in this world. You will awaken to your kingdom purposes in your life and you will see mountains move like you've never seen them before if you get the revelation of today's message that love must be added to faith. Matthew chapter 22 verses 36 and 37 say this, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Remember, I told you, God wants relationship with you more than religion. Because if your relationship is right, your religion will be right. Amen, Pastor. 
Teacher, which is the most important, important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, so what does God want the most from us? What does he want the absolute most? Teacher, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. That's first. The religion will be right after that, but you've got to love first because there's some very mean religious people in this world. There's some very cold-hearted religious people in this world. And if you've got religion without love, then that's not God. The greatest commandment is that you love God first. And the second commandment was to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, faith is not perfect. Our faith is not perfect. It can be riddled with unbelief. It can be weakened by inactivity, and it can grow dormant in a cold heart. Lots of people say they have faith, but if you don't have love with that faith, then that faith is going to be dead because your Bible says that faith without works is dead. And what are the works? Works are compassion. Love is compassion. When compassion is, in, compassion is love in action. So if you've got faith but no love, your faith is going to be dead. Because love is supposed to power your faith. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 13. You guys are saying, why are you dogging faith? I thought we needed faith. Yes, you need faith, but faith is not the greatest thing going. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this. Three things last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is what? Love. So love is greater than hope, and love is greater than faith. If you've got love, your hope will work. If you've got love, your faith will work. But if you don't have love, it can become contaminated, it can grow dormant, and be of no use to you. You see, faith must be supplemented. It must be added to. It does not stand alone. It's not a tool. It's a tool, but it's not the work. I want you to catch this. Look at me for a second. Faith is a tool, but it's not the work. Faith can get, help you get things done, but faith alone won't get it done. Because faith without work and activity is dead. For example, if a builder has all the materials, but no workers, then the job cannot get done. Brother Kyle knows all about this. He was instrumental in helping us get our roof uh, put onto the church. And uh, he helped us to get the steel that we needed. And for a while, the steel sat out there in the parking lot on the ground while the old roof was up there and it was sagging and it was ugly and terrible. And God blessed us with the materials to do it. The steel was to go up there. Okay. The faith is just the material. But if you don't work it, if you don't work the faith, then it's dead. Your faith must be active. It must be moved. And faith without works is dead. So let's go on to see how faith is to be supplemented. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. This is so good. Listen to this. By his divine power... God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Say this with me, church. I have everything I need to live a godly life. All right, let's listen to this. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. So what's the divine nature mean? Remember when I told you that the Bible says that as Jesus was on this earth, so are you? 
That's the divine nature. You now, when you become born again, you have a divine nature. You're not just the sinful flesh that you were born in. You've been transformed into a new creation in Jesus Christ. You share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. There's those human desires that mess everything up. Human desires contaminate our faith. For instance, how many of you have ever believed God for something, but it didn't happen? Raise your hand. All of us. Every single one has believed for something, but it didn't happen. Do you know why? Because we prayed for the good plan, but God had a greater plan, right? We are limited from we are limited by our human perceptions, but God has a divine uh, divine uh, view of our situation, and sometimes He doesn't answer this prayer so He can answer that prayer. Let's continue, verse five. In view of all of this, okay. So to preface, what are we talking about? We're talking about that. We have these precious promises from God and that he's given us a new divine nature. Okay, and now the author is saying this. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. So there must be a response to God's promises. For instance, I was back in my office today and I found a check. I found a check, an uncashed check. Okay, found this uncashed check. I didn't respond, all right? I had a promise from a company that if I would cash this check, that I could receive the value of the check, all right? And the check was written, and Brooke was like, what? How much is that check for? The check was written for 516 cents. That's $5.16, all right? But I didn't respond to it. It's been over 90 days, and now I can't cash it in. So listen to what the Word of God is saying. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Have you responded to what God said that you can do? Have you responded to God's word that says that I am the God that heals thee? I am the God that supplies all of your needs. Have you responded to those things? Are you, are you still in lack in some areas? Now listen, here's the beautiful thing about his word. Unlike this check in my pocket, there is no expiration date until you meet your expiration date. So that is why we must live to cash in on every promise that God has made to us while we are alive. I'll say it again. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Church, respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith or add to your faith a general provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Those are the things that we add to our faith and the final one being the greatest one, which is love. Listen, wherever there is a lack of knowledge about God's love, there will be a lack of faith. I'm going to say it again. You really need to get this one. Wherever there is a lack of knowledge about God's love, there will also be a lack of faith. For example, let's go to Mark chapter 4. Verses 35 through 41. Keep that in mind. When there is a lack of knowledge about God's love, there will be a lack of faith. If you don't know how much God loves you, then you don't know that those precious promises are for you. Is everyone paying attention? If you don't know how much God loves you, you won't recognize that the precious promises are for you and you can cash in on them. Let's look at an example in Mark Verse 35, 
As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. All right. So the first two words really speak a lot to me if I'm standing there with Jesus. And they should speak to you 2,000 years later. All of the Bible should speak to you. But these two words really stand out to me in the let's cross. Okay. Let's means me and you. Let's means whoever said it. And whoever I'm talking to, we're crossing to the other side of this lake. He said, let's cross. Let us cross. So no matter what happens between now and the other side, we're all going to be standing over there because he said, let us cross. That's how you've got to read the word of God and receive his precious promises. But they didn't receive that promise when he said it because something happened. Let's see what happened. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon, when? Soon. So listen, this Bible is full of precious promises, but as soon as you receive it sometime, here comes the devil to steal God's promise and say, no, that's not for you. But soon a fierce storm came. High waves. What kind of waves? So church, listen. In the forecast. So even though God makes awesome promises to you, in the forecast, the devil is going to be sure to send some high waves. And the waves have to be high enough so that you can see them more than you can see or remember the promise. You see, faith is not something that you can see. Faith is what you believe. And Jesus said, let's cross to the other side. But the devil said, I'll see about that. High waves were breaking into the boat. So although you've got God's word hidden in your heart, there are still some times where the devil will send storms into your life that will break inside the boat, inside the house, inside the health, inside the family, inside the finances. But will you watch the waves or will you keep your eyes and your faith and your heart on the first two words God said, let's cross. How many have a let's cross in your spirit right now that you believe that God will never leave you or forsake you no matter what you're facing? You believe the let's cross of God that we will make it to the other side because you promised not to ever leave me or forsake me. So the boat began to fill with water. And there's nothing that messes with our faith more than trouble that we can see. When you can see the trouble, it really messes with your faith because faith is not based on sight. Faith is based on belief. So when you see something that's unbelievable to you, you lose sight of what was believable to you. What you were believing takes moves away to the unbelievable circumstance that you're now facing. So the boat begins to fill with water. But what was Jesus doing? Verse 38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. So he was getting wet, but not waking up. Church, when are you able, when are you going to be able to get wet, but not fall apart? When are you going to be able to be affected by the storm, the storm be coming at you and hitting you and touching you, but you still be able to stay in rest? 
Jesus said the revelation was, let's go to the other side. That was the word of God, the revelation. The empowerment was Jesus said it. And if Jesus said it, it cannot fail. The strategy was they got into the boat and they made their way to the other side and there were even others with him. So that let's was not just for the 12. That let's was for a multitude of people who believed him when he said it and said, we're going to go with you too, all right? And the triumph will be when you step foot on the other side of uh, the situation. Now, Jesus was asleep. I want to go back to the fact that I'm trying to bring out today, okay? Today we're talking about adding love to our faith. Say this with me. I must add love to my faith. And what I told you before this passage was this. Wherever there is a lack of knowledge about God's love, there will also be a lack of faith. Everywhere your faith is weak, your knowledge of God's love for you is weak as well. And listen to this. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care? Let's pause right there. What is care? It's worry. And it's an absence of knowledge. You see, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love removes worry. So they're asking, Jesus, don't you love us? We're about to die. Wherever there is a lack of knowledge about God's love for you, there will be a lack of faith. They shouted at Jesus. I don't even like to be woken up with a little kick or a little, you know, sound. But here they are shouting. He already said he didn't change his word. It's not like he woke up in the middle of his nap and said, we're going to die on this boat and went back to sleep. His word remained the same. So he went to sleep on the boat even though the storm came. And what they wanted to know is the same thing you want to know when your faith is being shaken. God, where are you? I thought you loved me. So wherever there's a lack of knowledge about the love of God, your faith will suffer. There will be holes in your faith. So listen, Jesus woke up. He rebuked the wind. And said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. So listen to this. Jesus was already experiencing a great calm. Even in the middle of the storm, he was asleep with his head on the pillow and had a great calm. Why was he so calm? Let's go to the other side. So do you know what the disciples could have all been doing? Sleeping. They could have all taken a nap if they would have watched Jesus. He's sleeping. We can sleep too. All right. Let's continue. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Here's a revelation I want you to have, church, as we talk about faith and love. Say this with me. Even the wind and the waves obey me. As Jesus was in this earth, so are we. If he could command the waves and the wind to be still and a great calm was restored, then so can we. When you say, peace be still in my marriage, in my finances, in my body, it has to obey because you stand on the precious promises of God. And like it said back in 2 Peter verses, verse 13, uh, uh, verse uh, chapter one at the end of it that we have to cash in on his promises these promises enable us to share his divine nature so we have to cash in on those promises all right we're just about done now 
I'm hoping you're getting this revelation. The more you know about his love for you, the greater your faith will be. Your faith will work better when it's fueled by love. When you know that he loves you and he won't lie to you, then your faith will be greater. Your faith must be fueled by his love. So, one of the reasons our faith rarely moves mountains is because we are rarely moved to go to the mountain. I'm going to talk about this for a minute. One of the reasons our faith, my faith, your faith rarely moves the mountains is because we are rarely moved to go to the mountain. What am I talking about? Matthew 14, 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. Mark 6, 46. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Luke 6, 12. Now, it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. So the reason we're not seeing mountains moved is because we're not moved to go to the mountain and pray to God and spend time with him. When you pray with, when you go and spend time with God, the mountain mover, you understand that your mountains will move because you've spent time with God and you saw in his presence your mountain moving. You heard in his presence your mountain moving. So before Jesus went to the valley to move the mountains out of people's lives, he had already spent time alone on the mountain with his father. So this is why mountains barely move today because we rarely go to the mountain of God and pray. When you go to the mountain of God and pray, he will show you great and mighty things. And that was the testimony of Jesus Christ. Uh, he said this in John 5, 19. And Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He only does, he only, he does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. So every Thing Jesus did on this earth, he saw the Father do it first on the mountain. When he spent time in prayer, he saw God opening blind eyes. He saw God healing and raising up Jairus' daughter. He saw God calling Lazarus out of the tomb. He only did what he saw the Father do. And I'm praying and I'm pressing upon you this morning to be duplicators and imitators of Jesus Christ. And everything that we read about him doing in the Bible, we are able to do it as well if we will be believe him we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us so when you've spent time with the father on the mountain you will have seen him move the mountain first so when he tells you that you can do it too you become a mountain mover a loving relationship with the father removes our insecurities and lets us know that we are with God. Say this to me, church. I am with God. Matthew 19, 26 says this, but Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So the reason Jesus performed so many wonderful miracles, I want you to just hear this, the reason Jesus was to was performed so many wonderful and miraculous miracles. Think about this. Think about what was in his mind as he did. It was this. Daddy said I could. Daddy said I could. I saw daddy do it. Those of you with children, they imitate you all the time. My son puts on my big work boots and, and tries to clog around. I saw daddy walk in them. I want to walk in them. When will we have that heart? To say that Jesus did it, Father, now I want to do it too. And your word says that I can. The reason Washington is shaking like it is right now is because the church is just dormant. The church is not doing what we've been called to do. Well, what are we supposed to be doing? Everything Jesus did. 
You don't wait for your pastor to give you instructions. I'm just the middleman. You can go to God all by yourself and say, God, what does Lima need or what does my city need or what do you need from me today? That's how the mountains get moved. You see, first the mountain was a meeting place. Then Jesus went back to the valley to move the mountains in people's lives. We're talking about strategy. That's the point of this series that we're in right now. What is the strategy of the faith of Jesus Christ? How can I imitate his strategy of faith? Well, the strategy that Christ used to operate his faith was compassion. He, the word made flesh, God in the form of a man, was moved with compassion. So when your faith is fueled by love, that's when it will work and it will do amazing things. My primary example this morning is Matthew 14, 14. It says this, and when Jesus went out, come on, guys, we're supposed to be the living word. We're supposed to be the Bible living in us as well. So this, this should be able to read that when you went out, or when you went to work, or when you went to the grocery store, or when you went to your family reunion, okay? And when Jesus went out, he saw. So as we leave our houses and as we watch the news, what are we seeing? And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them. There is a great lack of love in this world, so that's why faith is not working. 2020 was a primary example of a lack of love. You have people in the church even, Democrats against Republicans. You've got black against white. So where there's no love, faith is not going to work. So Jesus, before he performed a miracle, the Bible says that he was moved with compassion. You want to see America change? Be moved with compassion. Let love lead the way. I've seen pastors, and it sickens me, pastors dogging out Donald Trump, pastors talking bad about the president when the Bible says just wants to pray for this man, when pastors are supposed to be the primary example of love, but you're cursing a man how can the church have power if there is no love love first then faith love is greater than faith let's continue i got lost felt like i got mad too for a minute where was i all right okay so and when jesus went out he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and what did he do and healed their sick. First he was moved by love, then the miracles came. Church, our primary, the primary thing that moves us should be what? Love is first in life. Then comes our identity. Then comes faith, and through that faith, we're able to complete the purpose that God has for us in our life. Last night, I had a dream. Um, I know it's Martin Luther King Day tomorrow, but that wasn't the dream. Last night, I had a dream that Brooke and I and the kids were on vacation, went to an Airbnb somewhere, and... Um, it seemed like a familiar place because probably the owner or a neighbor next to the property came out and she brought her adult son out and she said he's got a liver disease, some kind of liver issue. It seems like his liver is frozen almost, like it's just not functioning or working in the way that it should. And I had him come up to me and he was on the stairs actually above me and I reached out and put my hands on him. I, first of all, I was just so filled with love for him. And I reached out and I began to pray for him and just I felt the power of God and he felt the power of God coming all over him to heal him. Because do you know why God heals? Because he loves us. It's love. That's the reason Jesus healed people so that he, they would know that he loved them. And after he performed many of his miracles, the Bible says they believed on him. If people don't know that they love you, that you love them first, they're not going to believe you. 
Okay? So, the reason some of us don't have God's best in our lives is because we don't have a revelation of how much he loves us or loves those that he's called us to serve. Many times we have not because we ask not. But there must be faith behind our asking and not lust. Lust is the exact opposite of faith. Lust takes what is best for yourself while love gives what is best for someone else. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. So to walk by faith is to be constantly under the influence of compassion, love in action. That's what Jesus was. And every miracle was fueled by love, even his last one. Jesus rose from the dead. Let that be the foundation of your faith. The love worked. The Holy Spirit preached this message to me today. And it was just so powerful. And nothing really excites me more than when he gives me a verse that backs what he's saying so that I know that it was him. Okay? And Galatians 5 and 6 this morning is that verse. And you can stand to your feet as I read this verse to you. It's Galatians 5 and 6. So for me to make all these, I'm sorry, for the Holy Spirit to make all these boasts through this preacher today, talking about that love is greater than faith and, uh, and faith must be powered by love, he concluded it with the last verse he gave me before I came out here to preach this word to you today. And that's Galatians 5, 6. Listen to this. Remember we talked about it's more about relationship than religion and that we must add love to our faith. Listen to what Galatians 5, 6 says. It's so blessed me. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is... Faith expressing itself in love. That's in your Bible. Let's bow our heads. Father, we come to you today. We thank you for the measure of faith that you've given us all. But now we're asking God that as we fulfill the greatest commandment, that you would make us mountain movers just like your son was. Jesus lived on this earth to please you. And all he did is what he saw you do. All he did is what he, all he said rather is what he heard you say. So Father, my prayer for your church today and not just on this corner but everywhere is that there would be a love revival first. Everybody talks about revival, revival, revival. The first thing that needs revived is compassion. That is what has suffered the greatest blow over the last year. Fear moved into this country because of the high waves of the coronavirus. Fear moved into this country. It emptied schools, emptied business, businesses. It even emptied churches because we saw what was coming. And sometimes what we see causes us to forget what we've heard. What we heard was, I will build my church upon this rock and the gates of hell, let alone a storm, let alone a wave, let alone a virus, but the very gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. So maybe that's where the separation has happened, God. There's a lot of churches in this world, but there's only one true church, and the true church is the one that you have built. And God, we are living stones in that church that you have built. Now, my prayer is this. The love that you use to save the world 
may it still be in the hearts of the church. The love that you use to save the world, may it fuel our faith just like it fueled the faith of your son, Jesus Christ. May we supplement our faith with love. I pray right now in Jesus' name. Can you just lift your hands for a moment? I pray a blessing over these people listening and watching. Even if you're at home, just lift your hands. I want God to give you something. Put your hands out like God's going to give you something. Father, I pray that you would give us all a greater revelation of your love for us. Because if we know how much you love us, then we'll know that you're with us. And if we know that you're with us, we will know that nothing is impossible for us. I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that in February 2021, that there be a revival of compassion in this church of yours, God. That what we see happening on this earth would move our love. And then our love would move our faith. And then our faith would move the mountains. And then the mountains, Father God, would crumble and be thrown into the sea. We speak now against the mountain, Father God, of those who don't know you as Savior. You've called us, God, to be disciple makers. But God, there's a mountain standing in front of your church, God, and we ask that it would be moved now in Jesus' name because you love the people on the, on the other side of the mountain. Fill us with love. Fill us with a love that is so strong that we lay down our lives. Because that's what your word says. There's no greater love than a man lay down his life for a friend. Well, where is faith in that? Faith is here. Faith is in the fact that if you lay down your life for Jesus, he will pick it up again. If we seek to save our lives, we will lose them. But if we lose them for his sake, we will find them. We were all born for a purpose. But if your purpose is connected to this earth, then you will be filled with lust. You will do what you want to do. You won't care who you hurt in the process. You will run over people to get what you want. But that's not love. Love lays down their life for a friend. And Jesus, you have called us friends.